Um, and our vision is to basically follow this, this chain of next integrations and data sources that all point towards prevention and longevity. Um, mm -hmm. So we are very keen to integrate DNA testing. There's so much information in, in our DNA that can be leveraged where we can early on prevent and work against certain kind of risk factors the person has, etc. Hello and welcome to The Augmented Self, the podcast where we explore the intricate world of wearable technology and its incredible impact on health and wellness. I'm your host, Jean-Philippe Thiel, on this journey into the fascinating intersection of tech, health and the human body. Each time we delve into thought-provoking discussions with industry professionals, innovators and thought leaders in the wearable tech space. We'll explore cutting-edge advancements, AI application, examine the efficiency of metrics and tackle the ever-important issue of data privacy. We're here not just to learn, but also to foster a community of tech enthusiasts, wellness advocates, and curious minds. So whether this is your first episode or you're a regular listener, we want to hear from you. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a comment on this episode. Your feedback shapes our conversation in this rapidly evolving field. Today, I have the pleasure to host Jonas from Rook. Jonas Duker. How are you, Jonas? I'm doing great. It's great to have to be here. Thanks, Jean-Philippe. So you're Jonas, you're, you're the COO of Rook, that's Chief Operating Officer. Correct. Yes. So um, perhaps to, to give our, our viewers a bit of a, an introduction, we can uh, do one of those uh, warm-up quiz. Um, and let's, let's talk about how we first met, for example. I think first time we met was thanks to the FitTech Club. Um, it, I think it was in one of the virtual events uh, that we first had the chance to exchange some ideas, to network a little bit. And I think the last time actually that we saw each other, and correct me if I'm mistaken, that was in, U in June in Munich. Uh, That's right. At the FitTech Summit, I felt, yeah. What a great that event. Was a good event. Yeah, what a great yes. event. I really enjoy being part of the FitTech Club. It's, uh, for, for those who don't know, you can check it up online at the FitTech Club. Um, it's a um, sort of peer group uh, of, of uh, fitness professionals and the tech industry um, businesses. So um, I find it really interesting in terms of, um, you know, it's, it's like a non-compete environment. It's about, you know, understanding what others are working on and the sort of networking and understanding the market a bit better. So um, personally, I find it uh, very valuable. How, how about you? Yeah, super great experience. Um a lot of great people thanks to the FitTech Club, one of them being you. So yeah. And I think it's very aligned to the to the idea of this podcast of like building community of like minded people and pushing this forward. Um so yeah. Super great. Cool, cool. How long have you been working on this uh, project, uh, Rook? It was called Rook Motion yeah, before and then you just rebranded last year, is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Um, we've been working on Rook Motion previously for three, four years already. And yeah, it's branded now as Rook since a little bit more than a year or like, yeah, basically a year. Um, and I can share a bit more. So generally speaking, we started off with a different business model. We were very deep down in this tech space doing live real time heart rate tracking, similar to the Mize on Earth Siri experience of so big screen and we see heart rate zones and intensity zones in real time. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, changed a little bit the business model further down down the road. The, to what the, good, old, the good old pivot and all these uh, founder workshops, they tell you how you will find product Every market fit and, and you will pivot. 
I'm uh, scared to figure out where where I need to pivot because we haven't done that yet. So um, at, at this stage, we're still we're still in the la la land of thinking that we've got the best idea and and uh, confronting ourselves to the market. Now, um, probably a last question in this warm up quiz that I want to have is. Let's reveal something that you don't know about me or I don't know about you. You start. Oh, interesting. Um, I think something you don't know about me is I lived in the middle of the Indian Ocean for some time on Reunion Island. Uh, that was one of those exciting phases in my life. It's a French place. Uh, it's a French place, yeah. Um, basically, French colony in the Indian Ocean, close to Mauritius. Um, lived there for some time. Very exciting, totally different kind of career path. I wasn't involved at all in startups or like the fitness or health tech space. Um, what were you yeah, doing? I think we all have this you kind of parallel life. Scuba diving. Uh, yeah, diving, surfing, and focus on tourism rather than, than the startup. Excellent. Sounds uh, exciting. Yeah. What about, what about you? Tell uh, me something new. Something that you don't know about me potentially. Um, I started my career <laughs> selling beer. <laughs> oh wow! I <laughs> mean, um, that's very like uh, me being German, right? Like that. Yep. Uh, see, <laughs> so um, uh, I kind of have this funny way to talk about this this career path, which is a bit eclectic, I guess. Um, I, I started uh, my career getting people drunk, and then after that, I walk worked in the mobile phone industry and trying to fry their brains, and now I'm kind of trying to make it up. Uh, working on health and fitness, so <laughs> try to redeem myself a little bit. Um, you're, but you're yeah, closing the loop here for sure. Yeah, quite an interesting, um, I, I think, uh, foundation uh, school, the beverage or sort of brewery industry. Um, I wasn't working in the supermarket channel type of things, but more in the um, what we call the horeca channels, which is hotel, restaurant, and caterings. It's really the counter. Drinking um, seven customers a day and all the sort of, um, you know, small business owners. And uh, that really taught me about relationship building. And um, it taught me another thing, which I, I feel applies today in terms of marketing and sort of growing your business. It taught me about, we used to call it painting the town green. Um, green being the color of Heineken. Um, you know, try to convince you've got this street with 20 bars, you know, then and how do you convince them to shift and they all look at each other. And so it's all about like making some, some sort of ambassador model, you know, take one, you build with him and or her and 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 grow that business. And then the, uh, the next door neighbor is always a bit jealous about what's happening next door. We'll go, oh, well, hang on, how does he do it? And why am I not getting that? <laughs> You know, and then suddenly you kind of cross pollinate, and then you grow little sort of um, organic pods of yeah. uh, in your town, and then very, very um, quickly you suddenly paint the whole town green. Um, I applied that in Samsung, <laughs> painted the whole town blue or the whole country blue when I worked in in, in Samsung, New Zealand, and uh, I kind of kept that mental model um, in today, thinking about how to grow our business and things like that. I, I am. It's not something that that scares me because I, I kind of know how to work with ambassadors and sort of yeah. start getting a little node um, uh, growing and and cross pollinate from there. I think that's a good kind of way to translate that into different painting blue, painting green. What's the color today? Um, 
what's the <laughs> color for you now? I don't know. Seems to be decided. I yeah. kind of uh, couldn't choose. <laughs> Symbiotic yeah. Lab has got a bit of the whole, yeah. the whole rainbow there. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Okay, um, awesome. let's dive into Rook because I'm fascinated about what yeah. you guys are doing. I think you've got a really interesting approach and and very needed approach around data. Um, could give could you give me a, a, an overview first of uh, what what is Rook and and what mission do you want to fulfill in the wearable sort of quantified self space? Yeah, um, I kind of start the other way around. I will start a little bit with the mission, and then I will tell a bit more about what we do at Rook. Uh, Generally speaking, we are firm believers in medicine 3.0, so prevention instead of reaction, so not reacting when it's too late, but actually preventing people from getting sick, preventing that the condition is worsening, etc. Um, and we believe that there's huge potential in what we call alternative data sources that today in today's medicine are not used that much. For example, wearables. Um, but not only wearables, right? Like there's DNA testing, there is glucose monitors, continuous glucose monitors. There's so many different data sources that we can consider kind of alternative data sources that we want to plug in and extract information from and then help companies and mainly digital health space or the healthcare space to leverage and, and build products that actually help prevent or manage certain kind of conditions from um, preventing them from getting worse. Um, so what we do at Rook today today is we are in wearable API. Um, basically, it helps any company in the digital health space to become wearable agnostic. These companies face mm -hmm. huge challenges to having to integrate Apple Watch, Garmin, Aura, Polar, all these different brands one by one. So many. And with Rook, it's one single integration. Yeah, And then you get the full range of devices integrated into your app. And now your users can sync the data and you can start working that data and build great use cases around that, that wearable data that we can collect. I'm a big, yeah, proponent kind of of that. big proponent of that. And of course, um, you'll be so familiar much. with Peter Attire's book, Outleave. Yeah. Um, uh, my Bible on the side of my bed right now. Um, yes. And, and so much that, you know, that needs to be done in, in that space. We have the potential of collecting all these data. People are monitoring themselves 24-7. Um, yeah. And that could be groundbreaking, sort of not crowdfunding, but crowdsourcing um all these data out there and they could detect things early and and uh, but but it's it's still in the infancy isn't it it's still it's still a space which is i think a little bit overseen to some degree especially as more we go into the traditional healthcare sector but i think it's kind of upcoming so it's like there's good timing around this we have seen throughout the pandemic a huge adoption of wearables in in the wider audience so um, we have a lot of users that, that currently use at least one device or some even up to two devices. And we have more and more data available. And at the same time, the FDA did some very interesting things around um, accepting that wearable data can be used as a medical record, et cetera. And all these kind of small changes oh. have boosted a lot now, like the adoption and companies seeking to use that data um, in many different ways, from insurance to clinical trials to digital health space. And then obviously wellness and fitness, we have, we have seen that before, right? Wellness and fitness, I think, mm. has been kind of the early adopters of wearable data. But even there, there's still opportunity to leverage that data um, a lot more to, to, break, to build great user experiences. So. That's right. That, um, tell me, because I, I, this is something that and maybe you can't answer because 
your clients are insurance companies and sort of large corporates. So if you feel that's yeah. too sensitive, don't don't answer. But um, for me, I, I'm a little worried about seeing the movement um, and 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 um, you know large corporate and insurance companies starting to want to use wearables. And I do get to this uh, regular message from my insurance company saying, "Hey, you've got an Apple Watch." Why don't you install the app and let us track you everywhere you go? Um, and I always kind of like, maybe it's the French in me or sort of rebel revolutionary <laughs> fiber. Um, I'm always like, no, <laughs> I'm not going to give you my location and give you all my data from my Apple Watch so you can tell me later that this is not covered or that's not covered or I'm too sedentary and then you want to increase my premium or something. So I kind of have a fear. Um, what What is your thinking around that yeah i can i can understand the fear to a certain degree um but i think generally speaking the world is shifting further and further to interoperability sharing data being very transparent about the information because in the end there is at the same time obviously a lot of benefits to have when we share the data um so i believe really like prediction prevention early detection is only possible if we are willing to share information um now, I understand that, especially looking at the insurance space, which normally has kind of a negative connotation among most users, is mm, there could be a misuse of the information. But then if we look at like the regulations that the insurance space is, is facing, be it on the health or life insurance space, mm -hmm. et cetera, it's highly regulated of what data can be used and can't be used for underwriting process, for premium charge and risk uh, profiling, et cetera. So I think... It's more of an issue of the right policies are in place. And I think people should be willing to share the data because the benefit of being able to early detect, pre prevent, et cetera, is way bigger than the downside effect because those we can mitigate or limit by the right policies and regulations in place. Um, mm. And then obviously on our end, we do take data privacy super serious. So yeah, I know you do. Compliant, mm. GDPR compliant, et cetera. So, it's um, quite impressive, yeah, actually, I think, yes. Thanks. Yeah, I think it's just like framing it the right word, the right way, and having the right regulations and privacies and policies in place is allowing to have the benefit and 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 mitigate the the, the misuse or like the false use of the information. Um, hmm. Yeah. Uh, your your business model is essentially B two B. You work with um, corporate like that to be able to have them right. process the data and then regurgitate back the insights is that the the way to summarize it yeah that's that's correct so we would embed our solution within the apps of our clients so it's hundreds percent b2b enterprise imagine i don't know a digital health uh, app which you normally would use to communicate with your clinician um, then somewhere in the onboarding process you would basically sign up you connect your device so you're getting asked hey connect your favorite device your garmin your aura or your whoop you connect that device with your normal login from Aura, et cetera, and then the data starts flowing. So now Rook is able to pull that data for this digital help app. We help to extract the information, we harmonize, we standardize and normalize the data and provide the data back to this digital help mm -hmm. app and then in this way also to your clinician. And then they can provide you with better services around that data, which is now being able to be yeah, I, I, I use all three. So I have a Whoop, yeah. I have a Ura Ring. I'm waiting for my one ring. Same here. <laughs> I'm waiting yeah. for my one ring out of India. It hasn't arrived yet. 
um, and and I have an Apple Watch, obviously. Um, uh, sometimes the data doesn't agree between each devices. How do you manage that? I mean, data it can be really tricky. There's a format. Um, they all have yeah. their different algorithms. Um, there's the raw data, but there's also um, the interpretation of that data, which is, as we know, something that comes out of an algorithm that's trained on a particular subset of data. And then we go into the data misery situation, which is biobanks or like white male, US-based, blah, blah, blah can't find the diversity, the gender um, variety, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, how do you trust the model? Yeah, I think there's, there's probably two sides to that answer. Um, first of all, accuracy. When we talk about accuracy, and that goes amongst all these different wearables, accuracy with wearable data is, is, being, is, is able due to the volume of data. So a wearable is not yet ready to, in one particular point of time, we don't get the most accurate data point. But by the by the volume we can create with the wearables, that's where accuracy is happening. So mm -hmm. just by collecting a lot of data over a long time, we said that before, 24-7 we're collecting data from those wearables. And over the time, and the accuracy is coming through the high volume of information that we have at hand. Now, when it comes to obviously the process of looking at Okay, how is the data different from Apple Watch to Garmin to Aura, etc.? We on our end um, do four stages. So, and it's something we we have specialized on, um, going really deep with each integration. So we do harmonization, standardization, we deduplicate, and then we normalize the information. What does that mean? Right. Harmonization is we put the same labeling on on the information. So one one brand might call it active energy burn, and the other one active calorie burn. So just labeling the information the same way, same timestamp system, etc. The second standardization for us is we calculate missing values. So sometimes we have data points available, but like another another brand is offering us um, on top like a score or on top some other information and data points. But with the existing data, we can calculate those missing values uh, on the other side. So we're trying to get as complete data sets from any of those mm -hmm. um, brands and data sources. Then we deduplicate. That means, okay, if we have now several data sources connected, we would decide which one is the most accurate one. And today, there's a lot of statistics around which one is considered the most accurate on sleep and which one is the one considered most accurate on VO2 max, etc. Mm -hmm. So basically, it's a decision tree that we follow to really give you just one data point uh, for each metric. And then the last one, which is probably the most complex one, we go as far as we can when it comes to normalizing the data. So that's scaling the information in the same format, put, having one single definition of health so that we have one single score and not three or four different definitions of health. So we can now actually compare users no matter what hardware they're actually using. Um, so yeah, it's, it goes a lot into the processing of the data uh, to make that data actionable for our clients, basically. That's fascinating. Um, do you allow people to actually integrate data from other sources than a wearable, like, you know, sort of medical reports or um, anything that's uh, paper-based? Like, what do they say in the AI world? Multimodal? Yeah, that's great. That's a great question. Um, yes and no. So today, today, we are integrated mainly with wearables. We do have smart scales from WithThings, for example. Yep. We have first glucose monitors from Dexcom, Krista Abbott, etc. Um and our vision is to basically follow this, this chain of next integrations and data sources that all point towards prevention and longevity. Um, mm -hmm. So we are, we're very keen to integrate lab testing, 
So blood testing, biome testing, etc. Very key to integrate DNA testing. There's so much information in, in our DNA that can be leveraged where we can early on prevent and work against certain kind of risk factors a person has, etc. Um, and then we're looking at ag- aggregating some more medical devices, but more traditional medical devices as well around blood pressure, etc., etc. So trying to get a very complete picture of why things um, got that yeah. I've got uh, a blood pressure monitor from yeah. I think so you can you can integrate all that already it's actually a French brand I think right mm, absolutely not mistaken so yeah well they <laughs> they went and they, they became Nokia for a while and I don't know what happened yeah, to them. yeah. Now, I mean, a friend of mine used to work there and it was a really really interesting company it's one of those that, that yeah. uh, what happens to startups when founders uh, not leave but change when it gets bought over and then suddenly stagnates and flattens out and then gets separated again and re re refloated is what happened to them yeah. i think um but fascinating but a great, great fascinating company, company. Yeah. yeah yeah i really i really like yeah. them i i have uh, almost all their products um okay um maybe you can take us through your flagship sort of products and solution to give the viewers a, a better understanding now that we've kind of walked through that uh, sort of general theme yeah. I would like to share my screen actually here for this. Yep, please do. You should be able to see it, yeah. Um, just to give a better understanding. So as we said, right, it's an API SDK solution. That means our solution gets integrated into the apps of our clients. So where, it's, where it says to your demo app, just imagine your favorite fitness app, wellness app, or as we said, digital health app, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we would build into the app this kind of connections page. Um, so we guide the user towards this page. This is where the user would connect their wearable device. In this example here, we established this connection with um, the Garmin device. And now we have the permission from the end user to extract all information from that user. So we get all the information from sleep to recovery to physical activity data. And we can then harmonize and do all the processing with the data. And then it's actually our service talking to the service of our clients. So we're talking to the service of this digital health app and we give them all the information of their user. So, hey, this user ID here is all the sleep summary, the physical activity data we have, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then it's our client, so the digital health app, that is deciding to how to surface back the data to the end user. A lot of our clients show the data back in form of this health score that we've created. So correlation of sleep activity and readiness data. We know similar models from from, from Aura, et cetera, right, that are correlating these kind of data points. Um, many build recommendations on top, show the progress on habit building, or maybe adjust the whole content experience. So yeah, that's kind of like the core product, really helping companies in those spaces from fitness wellness to digital health become wearable agnostic, allowing the data to come in from their users. Um, and then, yeah, helping them or facilitating that they can surface the data back to the end user on, on top, or on top of this built great insights and recommendations. Um, that's 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 really great. A very fascinating field. I mean, um, I have one question. As as one of the probably things that I um, regret a little bit with all the wearables that are out there today, because and they're getting better. So, but I've seen from the early ones to where we are now, um, it's always a little bit. I call it death by dashboard. How do you avoid, you know, not being just another dashboard? Yeah, I think that's kind of where very aligned to our company vision. So right now, what we solve is basically an access play to the data, right? Right now, we mainly solve for giving access to 
harmonized and streamlined data from any of the devices out there because there is no standard protocol of communication for wearables existing today. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, at one point in the future, this, this will exist. Um, and the company vision is really going towards becoming a data science company. Um, so really focusing on the insights and recommendations that we can that we can provide. We have started to play around, and that's mainly with strategic partners uh, in the space around social value factors. So all the incentives we are setting to help people maintain healthy habits or create healthy habits, what impact does that have in terms of a social return? Like how much are medical care costs reduced by doing so? We have a first prevention score that we can provide to B2B clients, which helps to understand preventing that someone is dropping a healthy habit or at what risk is that person to drop a certain kind of healthy habit. Uh, we can look at biolo- like biological age of the people based on wearable data. So there's a lot, a lot of really interesting insights we can start collecting right now um, that help us to be more actionable, like really like taking that as a step further and then having this interception, having this the, the, the clinician be able to reach out to prevent, to, to, to um, yeah, shift and Talking, talking about biological age, uh, I'm always uh, obviously familiar with telehealth. Um, they're although they are yeah. not available here in New Zealand, um, but I, yeah. but I've been um, at South by Southwest and I, I, I watched a keynote. Fascinating, um, fascinating. I think David Sinclair is behind that, right? The longevity um, expert. Um, then, yeah. Uh, so so interesting. But there's also an app uh, that came out. I don't know if you're familiar with some project called Humanity. Um, yeah. There's there's an app also that that kind of calculates your theoretical biological age out of wearable data aggregation. So it's a really yeah. moving moving field. So I think uh, you know this endeavor wanting to do that is is quite a good idea because then then you are converting data into a a sort of metric that can be used directly, not a, not a dashboard per se, but something that actually educates you and tells you how well you're doing or, you know, how badly you're doing in the other case yeah. and potentially motivates you to do something about it, which is, um, you know, a very interesting field of uh, behavioral psychology applied to health. Um, what about AI and, and sort of AI integration? We've seen massive advances. I mean, there's I always people talk about AI. There's so many flavors of AI, um, yeah. machine learning or uh, LLMs and etc. So, um, what what about those advances uh, and this natural language, uh, you know, sort of progresses that we've seen with transformer models and 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 all of that. So, how do you guys view these advances and are you using um, any of those? Um, obviously, you're using machine learning, but. Um, are you using yeah. any other advances? Are you going all the way down to a chatbot, or what? What's the what's without revealing um, trade secrets or anything um, that's uh, too too sensitive? Yeah, no, I'm happy to share a bit more. So, like machine learning, we have obviously been using a while already. Uh, that's been fundamental piece for the processing of the data. Um, the 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 piece on on AI. So generally for us, it is obviously a huge opportunity like like for every company, I think. Uh, what we've seen just recently is the AI bot that uh, Whoop integrated, for example, right? So Whoop, the wearable provider, yep. uh, is allowing you now to chat with like this AI bot and is helping you to understand your biomarkers and really define what's what's next, right? Like what yep. should I do? What shouldn't I do? What What's my, my to-do list for the day, et cetera. So we have seen first clients now that we have been working with that do similar concepts. So we're leveraging the biomarker data that we collect 
and feed it into AI models that then help to create those to-do lists or the things you should avoid today based on the last few days of biomarks that we that we collected. Generally speaking, um, we we believe again it goes for us in the same direction as the whole company vision of prevention prediction. So every AI model that we currently train in um, in house on our end is really focused on that prevention prediction piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've seen, yeah, but that's obviously more in collaboration with different clients based on their use cases. We have seen the chatbot. We have seen um, many, many small interventions that are AI-based. So like we see certain kind of peaks in the biomarker data and it sends out a small alert, push notification in the app or yeah. things like this, which is basically triggered through an AI um, yeah, learning mechanism that's getting better and better and sending out the right alerts in the right moment. Um, but yeah, that's very use case-based and in collaboration <laughs> with, our, with our partners, maybe. Great. Now, something that I've been playing myself on on, on our end, and um, we have some plan, although we haven't started working on that particular piece, but we have some plans to use. Um, LLMs actually are very interesting yeah. to um, I- input multimodal data. So, um, you know, you want to feed, um, you know, test results from a lab or whatever and, and have that put into the right boxes into a database or... Yeah. Um, and that 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 is you know converting natural language into data. That's something that LLMs are super good at. So that that's really helpful in terms of bringing different formats or images or you know um, X-ray images or something like that and their interpretation report next to it. Um, I've um, that's great. Recently done a full checkup um, uh, of my old self, and so my uh, to my uh, probably. Um, Against all data privacy uh, um, flags, I have given all of that to ChatGPT and had it all kind of transferred and interpreted. Yeah, I, I, do, I do the same. Like I- <laughs> <laughs> so I totally know that that's just wrong, but um, I wanted to see. Um, and, and and I'm now working on, on seeing how we can install a Llama 2 sort of model on a local server so we can actually see, you know feed it stuff without having to inform the whole world about the privacy data stuff. Um, but that's that's really amazing um, um, progresses and it's fascinating times, I think, that uh, AI will, will be able to detect things in, in our biomarkers and help us help us make sense of all of this. Um, so, I mean, obviously, Rook and, and, and the work you do kind of sits at the sort of intersection and you, some people say you work with them. Um, but or you kind of compete um, with Apple Health and and Android uh, Fitness or Google Fit. Um, how do you see yeah. the positioning of of uh, different models, um, and how do you avoid, I guess, uh, they them swallowing you, or or is that your exit strategy? <laughs> no, it's it's not not really our exit strategy, but um, good. No, yeah, great question. I mean. I mean, as as we said before, right? Right now, unfortunately, there's no standard protocol of of communication when it comes to wearable data. We have seen a shift towards this in the more medical device um, device space, with with Fire being like the standard protocol protocol for communication and how the database is created, which actually is our underlying principles that we use as well for how we structure and work with the wearable data. But right now, even with those aggregators such as Apple Health and then Health Connect, which is actually the new um, tool that's, that's going to replace Google Fit on the Android side. Um, those health kits are still very limited today, today. 
Um, mm. So right now, there is a need for this aggregation play that we are doing, hopefully in the future, not as I said before, right? Like, and the company vision that we have is definitely going to become this data science company. And then if there is a standard protocol existing and those kids do a better job of aggregating all the data in, in a great format, then um, then we we might not be able to do this aggregation play anymore, but that's fine because we, we, we see the value anywhere, somewhere totally different, which is what do we do with the data, not how to aggregate the data. Today, yeah. it's just an unnecessary kind of piece that we need to solve first um, for our sec- second step, basically. Um, and I can dive a bit deeper right now, like shortcomings of those those kids, um, you can layer this probably in basically three levels. So one is data is incomplete. Um, so what the amount of data or biomarkers that Health Connect is, is capturing is different to the ones of Apple Health. We don't have the same metric that we normally use to get from Garmin, Aura, Whoop, et cetera, directly. That's one one issue. A second issue is the data is, um, it's a passive integration. So, for example, Google is not integrating Whoop or Aura. It's Aura who has to integrate into Google Fit into Apple Help, right? So that's what I mean with passive integration. Whoop, for example, is not integrated mm. into Google Fit today. So all the Google Fit users that are Whoop users at the same time, any third party would miss out on that data. Um, that's another issue. And then we can go even deeper into we only get summaries, averages, mediums. Like there's often there's right. often a little bit more granularity missing. Um, we have capabilities to do real-time heart rate and calorie and step counting as well, et cetera. These kind of things are, are just falling a little behind and short with those health kits and health aggregators today. Um, but yeah, as I said, hopefully at one point. Yeah, I've noticed have that myself. All, you know, I tried to bring URA and Whoop and all these different um, sleep measurements into Apple Health. And, um, you know, you've got all these menu where you can click your sources and sort of activate or deactivate yeah. sources. And then you look at the result to see if there's any difference. <laughs> and then when you activate, yeah. deactivate stuff, there's some sort of discrepancies that are quite obvious. And you're like, well, no, that doesn't work. So you kind of have to choose one source and that's about it. It's yeah. very hard to activate more than one source and have a good result. Is is my personal yeah. experience. The duplicity, the duplicity. Mm-hmm. We're talking time zones. There's so many small things that maybe small from the things. outside often we don't see. But as if if we really have a digital health medical setting, or if we really have yeah, where we need very accurate data, we just it's it's yeah, um, it's so, not it's not complete and accurate enough. So you you you've said something really interesting, which is you you see yourself as a data scientist company, um, not an aggregator. So and and then you are doing this right now because it's a necessary evil that you need to solve because you can't go to the next yeah. level if you don't solve this. That's I I kind of really like that because that's like uh, you know five years from now what are you going to be doing? Um, so um, what's the overall big vision there? If I had to, so you said data scientist, that kind of answers it, but yeah. maybe there's more um, in terms of improving users' health and wellness and and how do you make sure that you're going to make a difference. Yeah. Yeah, I think right now we're literally paving the way for what we envision in the future. So as I said, the aggregation is literally just a, a necessary step. The big vision is becoming really a data science company. We don't want to monetize on aggregation of data. We would love to give away our API for free and have everyone aggregate information and build really great use cases around, around that information. And then with privacy of data in mind, analyzing and really leveraging that data on a higher level. Um, so really using that data to to find those benchmarks, to find those mechanisms that help us detect and prevent 
and leveraging that in a format where we can, in the best case, if I can dream for a second, leverage that with government and and like really on the highest level where we can have an impact. Leveraging those insights on a, on a society basis, um, nationwide, um, globally with with the people, and not just like right now we're solving for data aggregation place with one single company at a time, right? But we would love to see this at a at a bigger scale working with governments on understanding in, in behavior help. I think that's where we can have the real the real impact, right? Like where we can really make a change. I think there's obviously many private um, entities and players policy. in this space. Yeah, really like going towards policy and how we can, using policy, using the whole system, how it's uh, laid out. And I know it's very different between the US, New Zealand, and then Europe, if we look at health insurance and health insurance policies and how is this is managed. Um, but really making sure that prevention and early detection is where we have most of the CPT codes and and and, and payers being able to um, provide um, or, or, or yeah, that basically claims can be sent to payers for those things. And that comes from policy and that comes from a whole mindset shift where we put the, the, the prevention and prediction as the centerpiece and not um, focusing on, on directed medicine 2.0, what we're currently seeing and living. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why we believe we need to scale it even yeah, to, to government and policy changes uh, with the insights and predictions that we can find in the, in the data at a bigger scale. That's very, when I can dream for a it's second. It's very interesting. It's, it's very interesting. <laughs> I, 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 I tend to not include government in my in my thinking every time because I just somewhere don't have a massive trust that there actually can be big changes. Uh, but but uh, you know healthcare is a big cost, so to to and a big burden on on governments. Yeah. So um, there is, if I had to choose between an insurance company and a, and a, and a government in terms of, um, you know, contributing to the cost of healthcare, uh, I think a government is, is probably the right door. Um, somehow I, I think the, the insurance company model is more about de-risking, um, their economics or, uh, making sure you're a good yeah. cash flow for long longer <laughs> so for you can pay your, your bills for longer purpose, that yeah. kind of um that's not me um but um but governments yes it's about um you know the well-being of of citizens and and i guess you could be a taxpayer for longer too um uh, that's that's really cool so um in terms of partnerships and collaborations um, um you guys work with b2b and government agencies etc so what what's on the radar and what have you got running already um, in that space? Yeah, I mean we have um, interesting partnerships on both sides, just strategic partners, and that's a great transition from the previous question. So one I can reference here is for Global, a public company based in the UK out of London. They work, for example, with government, um, so they help in city planning, etc., based on physical activity data. So they collect all the mm-hmm. physical activity data from gym operators, et cetera, and, and leverage that data to analyze where it makes sense to make certain kind of investments from a government standpoint into the field of physical activity, wellness, well-being. Um, so that's kind of, I think, maybe a little bit also our, maybe a reference why we believe we can get to those levels and really work with government and make a, make a real impact. Um, so that's a strategic partner we work with where our data um, helps to define this social value factor that I mentioned previously, which is kind of models they are they have created and they are populating with with their information in the physical activity space. 
when we look more so on partners in terms of actual clients of, of, of ours that we work with. So we started off in the fitness tech space, as I mentioned before, so that's where we have most of our clients, uh, ranging from fitness at home apps, um, on-demand apps where we can work out at home, be it in live sessions or be it uh, on-demand with content that, that we can stream. Um, and then we have some some companies more so in the endurance sports field as well as when it comes to meditation, mindfulness, where wearable data is becoming more and more important. Um, and then, yeah, kind of like since we have shifted a bit the gears because we have seen the strongest use cases in digital and in the insurance tech space, we are working with companies um, that are focused on chronic disease management, remote patient monitoring in, and interoperability in terms of data aggregation and data management. So there we have also the aggregation of electronic health records and other data sources together with wearable data that then again feed into similar use cases around prevention prediction in remote patient monitoring chronic disease space. And then one of the very exciting um, partnerships that just got live, went live um, was with Abundant Health Solutions. Okay. Um, they are sitting in the intersection of corporate wellness with insurance tech and certain kind of digital health offerings. Basically, they're providing a wellness program to employers and their employees. And the employees can earn discounts, rewards. So the whole experience is gamified when those employees maintain healthy habits. Those healthy habits are checked via wearable data. That's how Rook uh, fits into this equation. And this goes then even that far that this has an impact on reduced um, rates when it comes to the health policy plan, et cetera. So very interesting use case. I'm super excited to, um, yeah, we just went live with them actually, I think last month, yeah, last month. That's exciting. Yeah. Very good. Congratulations yeah, on that. So what would you say are the biggest challenges that you 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 face today um, in this industry and how do you address them? Yeah, I think there's plenty of challenges as always, right? Like, I mean, the startup journey, you you know that better than me probably. But it's, I'm it's not funded yet, you down. are funded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, fundraising in the last year, two years has been super difficult. If we want to look at it from a startup perspective, that's a big challenge, obviously. Um, we were fortunate enough to, to get back by really great investors earlier this year, uh, which was our second funding round. So on that front, even though it was painful and challenging, we, we got the next milestone done on that front. If, when we look a little bit more on the technical, on the product side on our end, it's a continuous exchange with third parties of aggregating, integrating data, right? So Apple Health is changing something. There comes a new Apple Watch to market. Garmin is doing changes to their APIs. We have continuous work to do on maintaining um, those integrations, which is one of the pain points and core value props that we currently have to our client, right? We take care of all the maintenance. You just take care of one single integration, which is the one of Rook, and we deal with with all of, of the rest, right? Um, I think that's a huge challenge. And then if, if we look a bit more towards the market, so health and insurance space, highly regulated, right? So finding the right ways to work with the data and then especially in the US, which is our, our core market, the healthcare system or the healthcare um, space is, is very fragmented. It's huge, long value chains of different players um, working with the data that we can provide. So really finding the right entry points, understanding who needs to have the data and which kind of format and how do we need to work this so that we can actually make an impact here. It's it's tricky sometimes. Um, and then we go to Europe and then we go to New Zealand and it's changing completely, right? There's different incentive, there's different um, rules. Yeah, CPT codes, rules, regulations. So so it's it's tricky on that front. It's not, a, it's not an easy product, even though it's a technology project. 
that um, that travels easily, like to different locations and 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 and, and countries. Um, I think that's kind of like yeah, a good overview of the continuous challenges that we face on the airdrop. So on a sort of personal notes, what what um, how do you see new development and innovations um, um, from Rook? What 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 what's coming next uh, um, in on your end? Yeah, so on the shorter kind of roadmap, uh, glucose monitors. Wow, we have found more and more use cases Abbott. on, um, yeah, Abbott Freestyle, Dexcom. That's the kind of names coming to mind, and then Abbott sits behind, for example, Level Super Sapien and, and other kind of uh, very popular brands. So that's that's very close. Um, we're looking at nutrition data, um, and as I said, we're looking at lab testing and DNA testing. So that's kind of like the next data sources we want to aggregate. We're very keen to also add a fourth pillar. So right now we supplement all the data into sleep health, body health, and uh, physical activity or physical health. Mm -hmm. And we would love to get into the emotional mental health space as another data pillar because in the end, and you have, you have read Outlives by Peter as well. So it's great to focus on longevity, health span, lifespan, but it's not worth anything if, if the emotional and mental health side is not given. So And wearables are starting to collect more data as well. Voice recognition to understand your mood, stress levels. I'm using the Now Watch, which is measuring via the sweat on the skin, mm. stress levels. Aura and Whoop just um, launched uh, features around stress monitoring. So we're getting more and more tangible data for that pillar as well, which is very exciting for us. And that's something on the roadmap to be to be added soon. Very well. interesting. Uh, What's that uh, stress monitor called again? Uh, no watch, now watch, no like, watch, not a watch, no, no, no watch. watch, or now watch. How many, how many moment, wrists yeah. do you need to have? <laughs> Because <laughs> I've run out of wrists. I don't have enough. Let's say, yeah. yeah. So like my you, whoop um, is attached to my ankle, just so you know, <laughs> and it doesn't work too badly. <laughs> so um, you know, I kind of leverage the fact that I am running out of wrists, and um, yeah, so that's that's really cool. No watch, I I, I definitely will check this out. Um, But yeah, I, I on our end we we you you had mentioned the four pillars. We we are working with three, um, and and we're really physical activity, mindset or mind health, um, yeah. and um, sorry, nutrition. You know, so yeah, um, it's really I I find that I don't know separating sleep health and body health. It's kind of the same to me but um yeah maybe because you can get more granularity into that and 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 feedback yeah. direct um direct um sort of recommendations um that that's yeah. that's quite interesting yeah i think there's obviously always different ways you can segment and 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 and, and uh, structure the data um, body health for example would be for us everything around body composition lean muscle mass fat percentage water percentage etc sleep and recovery yeah exactly or like invoice to scan or like we have even more digital solutions now Spren just brought to market like the computer vision piece where you can scan your body via the phone camera and you get a body yep. composition uh, analysis there's a lot of great things happening on that front as well uh, that's why we kind of have that separate from the sleep and recovery field, which in itself, mm. I mean, all these pillars in itself, you, you know that, right? It's it's like huge space where you can have many, many metrics and insights for each of them. So, yeah. It's, um, I mean, and I, I don't know the product you mentioned and I don't know how accurate it is, but uh, I, I can imagine, you know, scan your body with your phone and get uh, an accurate uh, sort of um, composition 
it's it's when we do this in our solution to to create avatars uh digital avatars of your own yeah. self um it only works when you correlate this to an ai model that has actually scanned thousands of people and knows how yeah. much with the proper dexa scan in the back end so you actually know and then you can correlate the outside sort of envelope to what the inside should be um, but it's still yeah. it's still not a scan of the inside so you're going to have to go there and say it's 93% accurate as to accurate, yeah. our ai model <laughs> so um fascinating yeah, I think field the, part is the outlayers right mm -hmm. um, the outlayers is, is the very difficult the ones that are bodybuilding and have yeah yeah eight percent body fat have, but have really body, be... but like, exactly exactly and there is these outlayers is i think difficult to detect still via computer vision and, exactly and, and then an ai model layered on top uh, i mean yeah. myo the electricity sensing you know on your um, you know, we whiting scale, for example, is yeah. a closer correlation uh, of body composition, um, but nothing replaces a DEXA scan. In the end, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm looking yeah. to to get one done um, soon. Keen to see how much um, what's it called um, int intra that that brown layered fat. <laughs> Um, and then visceral, visceral fat. Visceral yeah. fat. That's the uh, word I was looking for. Well, I think, I don't know, maybe there's a difference between the brown fat and the visceral fat. I think visceral fat is the one around the organs. I'm uh, not sure if that's exactly no, I think you're right. the same as the brown visceral fat. fat but yeah. Visceral um, fat is, is, is the right word. Cool. So your journey with Rook, how did that impact your vision of technology and wellness? Um, I'm... Personally speaking, a lot more aware of the aspect of longevity, health span, and lifespan. That's been, for me personally, a very interesting, exciting journey. Um, myself having a lot of trouble with the sleep and recovery side. I, I, I was writing a little bit about it previous, like cool. did a sleep laboratory recently and like really trying to figure out how I can improve on that front. Um, physical activity, I'm holding up all right. Um, doing a lot of running and doing also so getting all my zone to work in and um as excellent well, doing strength training sure. and so just so on that side i think i'm good well balanced but like on the sleep recovery that's where i need to really work and uh so i think yeah i think just the journey with rook has, has shown me a lot like there's a lot of opportunity in that space still that we are just barely scratching the surface mm. with the technology we have in place and there's so much more that we can do and obviously, the the overlapping merge of fitness wellness with the the digital health space is just super exciting for me because that's where finally, finally, we see and recognize the importance of fitness and wellness to overall health and prevention um, for for everyone. And, and I think that's the way we have to really push this forward. So very excited to see those industries Absolutely. merge further and further. It's, and I think that's that's the frontier. It's really when. We can merge completely the digital fitness and wellness space with healthcare, yeah. um, which is today still sick care in my opinion. But um, yeah. that, that we can have a ground wave, um, and sort of try to shift this. I, I really personally see this, um, the work you guys do and and other companies in the space as that ground wave, that's starting from the user bottom up and and really changing the approach around. You know, getting getting to know thyself, sort of thing, and 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 how to change your behavior and and achieve longevity, which for me is adding years to your life, 
or life to your years, but not, uh, yeah, life to your years and not years to your life. That's the one I want yeah. to say. So it's a, it's a, it's a fasc fascinating space. Uh, thank you for, for, for answering all these questions and telling us a bit more about you, what you guys are working on. Um, it's been a really exciting sort of 50 minute already. Um, any closing thoughts or messages or things you would like to add to, to, to this conversation or leave the audience with? I mean, generally speaking, thanks to you for having me, for sure. Um, I think that's what it's really about. So aligned to this merging of industries, it's like collaboration. It's working together, hand in hand, bringing companies together, bringing founders and entrepreneurs together that have the same mindset of where this needs to go. Um, so that's what I'm most excited about for the next few months and years to come. Um, and it's great to see, yeah, great founders like you coming to market and building exciting projects and products um, and solutions for, for that space. So I think, yeah, that's kind of my, my final last words. Um, hell yes to collaboration. And, and I hope, um, and I'm very sure this podcast will help a lot in bringing more of these people together and build great collaboration. Hope so. And we, we, we really just want to foster that, that community build and, and try to um, get people even even if we sometimes our projects may overlap and, you know I think in, in some places not everywhere and, and nobody probably has I don't certainly don't think that I have the answer to everything so that's a good way to start um, I think by getting everyone together we will crack the code yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's 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 the approach I think that's um, you know and, and I think um, I'd like to see more collaboration in that in that space and more companies um, working uh, sort of bottom up to crack the uh, health code. Thanks a lot for uh, for being with us. We really really enjoyed this, and uh, good luck with everything uh, you guys are doing. Uh, I really I really enjoy watching you grow. Thanks a lot, Jonas. That's awesome. Thanks for having me. And let's see where we where we meet again in person. Is it if it's New Zealand, Munich? Well, or, if you do, don't hesitate. I am right here. That's awesome. Thanks so much. Take okay. care. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a comment on this episode. Your feedback shapes our conversation and this rapidly evolving field. Let's stay connected, let's stay informed, and let's venture together into the world of the augmented self.